You're listening to the B2B Content Show, a podcast about the how, what, and why of B2B content marketing. The show is brought to you by Conversa, a podcasting agency that helps B2B brands start podcasts to connect with prospects, grow brand awareness, and create better content. I'm Jeremy Shear, and my guest today is Alex Boyd. Alex is founder of Revenue Zen. Revenue Zen is a B2B marketing agency helping businesses grow through organic SEO and LinkedIn strategies. Alex, thank you so much for being here. It's a joy to have you on the show. Thank you, Jeremy. Happy to be here. So we're going to talk about one of the key things that your agency does, namely using LinkedIn effectively. And, you know, I'd love to talk about that, about how you guys yourselves make use of LinkedIn. I spend a lot of time there. It's probably my favorite social platform. It's the one I, or I should say, it's the one I definitely use the most. And I think it's, it's very unique as a social platform. You know, it has its own quirks and algorithms and all that stuff. So I think it's an awesome platform, very valuable, but, off, but sometimes I'm often mystified by it too, <laughs> in terms of what works and what doesn't work. So I'd love to hear from, from you guys, you know, how do you, how do you make use of LinkedIn as a place to, well, what, how do you use LinkedIn? I'll just keep it nice and simple. I started using LinkedIn almost six years ago. I had previously just used it to connect with prospects at my last job and sometimes to recruit, but I used it in the way that everyone uses it, which is I would sometimes share content that people asked me to share. I would check it to see if I had any connections. And then everything kind of flipped when I started this company because I didn't have the strategy at first. I started posting mainly to see if my ideas were good. I had learned a little bit and I wanted to know how much have I learned. And I just thought that sharing it with whoever wanted to read it would be a good way to do that. It wasn't until the first customer came in and, and wrote this email saying, I saw your post on LinkedIn. We're growing our team. We'd love to have you help. And then they signed up and Within a few months, they were paying us over 20000 a month. And I thought, okay, this, this is something we need to do in a concerted way. Mm-hmm. And so I just thought, well, why did he look at my post and think we were credible enough to contact and spend all his money with us? And that's what it was. It was, it was that I demonstrated my credibility through the content and I highlighted the results I and our other customers were getting. And then that was enough to have him want to take that interaction offline. And then it became more of a sales process. And that's one of the main principles I, I teach in my course. I teach our clients is try to use LinkedIn to demonstrate your credibility and then to highlight the results your customers have gotten. Those two things are one of the biggest thing you can do to grow on LinkedIn. I use it to keep up with people. I you know, show people that you should probably like and trust me and us as well as think we're credible and see the results our customers have gotten. But those are the two main things that I think about when I'm posting mm-hmm. is here's how I think. And therefore people conclude, here's how my company thinks. Because if mm-hmm. we're in leadership and we post, then people assume that our company operates similar to how we think. And that's one of the biggest things you can do as well is remember that your prospects are making that conclusion. If you do that, it becomes a little bit more straightforward to think about how should I speak to them publicly in this this area. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it makes total sense to me that posting content about outcomes that your customers have gotten 
positive outcomes, obviously, that's going to be for anyone looking for a similar solution that very well could be intriguing. I mean, it sounds like sort of posting like a, like a mini case study and using LinkedIn as a place to post it. Yeah. That's one of the easiest low hanging fruit content ideas that I suggest if somebody doesn't know if they're ready to take the plunge into LinkedIn, I say, let's spend 20 minutes writing out a mini case study and we'll post it at the right time of day. You'll engage with everyone who comments and you're, you're going to see something happen from that. And that usually is a good place to kick off that or like their origin story of most people who haven't posted, they, I encourage them to write a, this is kind of how I came to be doing mm -hmm. what I'm doing now. That also is good for people saying, oh, hey, this person's like actually providing something more than just company blog posts of mm -hmm. value to listen to. Yeah, sort of telling your own personal story and, and supplying the yeah. why of like, why why are we doing this? What's pushing yeah. us to do it? Mm -hmm. So that's one type of post, right? The, mm -hmm. the the mini case study. But you're also, as you just described, you're also posting lots of other stuff, stuff that's more demonstrating how you think. So yep. what are some examples of that, those kind of posts? It could be something as, you know, what I posted this morning, which was, you know, noticing that there was this hype around chat GPT and now it's sort of like dying off. And I knew it would die off because I, I, when we see these kind of novelty things come out, we know that they're not permanent disruptions to industry and we can kind of monitor that. But then people need to know, well, as a content marketing agency, how do you think about AI in writing? So by writing... I sort of dismiss this hype. Here's what it does and can't do crucially and what the value of that is. Let's move on. Hopefully people conclude that I am level-headed, that we are not beholden to algorithm changes this way and that way, whether it's social or Google algorithm changes, and that we exemplify that Zen and revenue. That is the name of the company. Um, and that's sort of that stoicism of we have our own path that we're taking and taking mm. you on regardless of the you know noisy windy world out there and that's that's kind of the underlying what people would hopefully conclude from that piece of content even though it's you know a few lines of text about a trendy thing mm -hmm. so that's an example of i'm just conscious of what i want people to conclude from the content without just saying think of us as this that and the other we are this that and, and this it, it's telling a story yeah. to let people draw their own conclusions rather than just saying it's it's a show rather than a tell and that's where the, you know, creativity practice sort of um, getting good at copywriting comes in of how exactly do you show and not tell? That's that's easier said than done. That's the skill yeah. of writing and, you know, producing content. But it's the thing that makes content either good or not good. And that can take any form. It mm -hmm. could be a case study. It could be an anecdote. It could be a two-line thing. It could be a haiku about marketing, like anything under the sun. Literally, I've posted all those things in the last, you know, a few months, I think so. Um <laughs> Yeah, it, anything really. A haiku, I like that. that sure. That sounds, yeah, that I mean, sound, I, that sounds nice. Something <laughs> I, fresh, easy, short. Yeah. Well, what I what I like about your the example you just gave us about you know Chat GPT, it sounds like what you're doing there is you know you're opining on this thing and the the significance of it and like you're you're demonstrating a point of view. Yes, it sounds like to Definitely. me, and which is. I think another key to, to really good content that you're ha having a point of view, like I thought about this, here's what I think. I'm just putting it out there. Yeah. If you had the, the AIs that 
can create a talking head version of you. And you did that too. And we were recording this with both of those AI avatars. All they would do is regurgitate stuff online that they have now put into a talking form. They would not have a point of view separate from like the aggregate blended point of view. And that unique single, this is my point of view. I am me with a face and a social security number and a reputation. That's where content can become really useful. And that's the social part of social selling is the social social contract part that we have to realize is, is in play. So yes, a point of view attached to a human is very different than a point of view attached to an AI or a company brand because mm-hmm. you can a company can swap out its point of view and, and it does. I mean, Volkswagen from 70 years ago to now absolutely swapped out a lot of points of view, didn't it? So sure. clearly companies can change, but people, it's much harder to. And that's that social aspect that is, is inherent in social selling that we have to remember. And that's mm-hmm. why I've pulled in millions of dollars from our content and revenue and why most people are struggling to bring in leads from it. It's that point of view and that that fact that people know what to expect from me and that as I grow, they mm. can learn from that too. And AI cannot do that. It cannot have a point of view of its own yet, at least. Right, right. No, that, that's a really good and, and I think interesting point, right? I mean, in terms of AI and un, until the day, if it ever comes that AI becomes, you know, sentient, yeah. then maybe <laughs> right. we'll be dealing with AI points of view, but that's nothing we have to worry about in the short term for sure. And I, I'm intrigued by what you said that, right, like a, like a brand can kind of have a point of view, but that can, we don't hold them to it as, as much necessarily, or they can change. Although, I mean, individual human beings can certainly change their point of view, right? Yeah. Or, or have different points of view, depending on what you're, what you're talking about. But I don't know, may, maybe is it that in order for the point of view to matter or come across as authentic, you can't be changing it every other week, right? Like yeah. it kind of undermines the value of having a point of view in the first place if you're not consistent with it, at least for a good amount of time. If you're not accountable to it. I mean, yeah. you've just nailed the reason why people classically dislike politicians is because they do that. Yeah. So if we do that commercially, the same thing applies, right? If we are not accountable to our point of view, then people won't trust us. What do we make of Adidas ditching Kanye West? I think we would conclude something different about a person saying Kanye West was my friend and has changed versus a brand saying we have made this. Who is the we behind the brand? Mm. We can talk all day about that, but it's very different and more personal for a human saying here is my journey and, and I am accountable to what I have said and done. If we're truthful and authentic about what we've said and done, and we do it publicly, there's sort of a record. There's a record of five years worth of stuff that I've said and, yeah. and put out there, and you could hold me to it. And that's that part that people can form more trust with because they, they could go back and say, I've been following you for months. This is I know what you believe and how you think roughly. And if yeah. that aligns with what they experience with us, they're going to they're gonna buy from us at a higher rate, which they do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think another thing that's attractive when, when one has and is able to strongly articulate a point of view is that there's some risk attached to that in that right. you, knowing that not everyone will agree with you because people have other points of view so that you're not, as you said, kind of like a politician might, you know, stick your finger to the wind and be like, well, ooh, it's time to go in this direction because yeah. that's what the people are, you know, you know, you have more integrity, integrity than that, right? You you have your beliefs and you've built them up over time and you're 
you stick to them because you really believe in them. I mean, I think that's part of the equation, even knowing that some there's a group of people that are going to disagree and, and might not want to work with you because of that. You're like, that's fine. That's reality. Yeah. I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. It's it's risk. And regardless of what you actually say and people think, people respect when you take risk, when you put your own skin in the game, as you do when social selling and as you don't, when you only share, you know, company kind of blog content and you hide, there's no skin in the game. And it's harder for people to, to build that trust with you. You know, it's the reason why Elon Musk, for all his flaws, has a cult-like fan base he has skin in the game out the wazoo. Yep. And that's why we think of him as, you know, for better or worse, he has, he has ventured, he has risked and ventured and he's put it out there. And that's sort of on a microcosm, what we do with, with social media is we, we put that out there, especially if we put out real points of view. And that's yeah. what people often don't want to do. This is, is there's this underlying, I'd rather not take any risk. And if they do it, they sort of make the content very bland. Yeah. And it doesn't work because there's, there's nothing in, there's no risk taken. And people see that and they're like, I don't buy it because you didn't take any risk. And I don't like that. You didn't put skin mm. in the game. So why should I be involved with you if you're not putting skin in this game? Yeah. And I think what it, it, it the content ends up being bland and bland. And I think in a particular way, and I was reading sort of a critique of a lot of LinkedIn or content and just content generally that. And, and I totally agreed with it. And it was something along the lines of very basic common sense, like things about marketing, say that everyone already knows dressed up as like deep insights. Yeah. There's a lot of that kind of content. And I'm sure I'm guilty of it sometimes too, you know, because when you feel the pressure just to pump stuff out, it's hard to come up with a new take on something, you know, that takes some time, but I, but I, I think that's one of the results, right? Like you end up defaulting to kind of just the safe statement or proclamation because, well, it's, there's no controversy there. Everyone already knows this and agrees yeah. with it. And I'll just be another person saying it. Not only you're not taking any risk, but you're not really adding anything to a yeah. conversation. It's just one more voice saying the same thing, which is part of the problem. If, if in fact you want to stand out a little bit and get people thinking about what you're saying. Yeah. You have to get people thinking about what you're saying. It has to stay with people. You cannot be the Kirkland brand version of an idea. You certainly may tell stories and anecdotes and examples of that idea and practice and come back to it. In fact, I encourage that. I encourage people to develop a core thesis consisting of just you know one to three really clear beliefs about the way your business or the, the industry you're in works. And then to, to keep hammering on those from all sorts of different angles without just simply saying it again and again. And there are some people who've made big, big names saying the same things again and again that were really interesting at one point, but they have enough of a following now that people yeah. will just mash the like button anyway. And you notice their mm -hmm. businesses start to change when they sort of run out of that and, and, and keep just posting platitudes. Um, mm -hmm. There's a cottage industry of LinkedIn consultants out there yeah. who will post platitudes for you have hundreds of bot accounts engage with your content and show you how many views you're getting. And they will do this and they'll say, well, guarantee you'll get this many engagements and views and this many followers. And you think it sounds really great. You buy from them. And then several thousand dollars later, nothing has happened in terms of actual pipeline generation because yeah. you haven't actually changed anyone's mind. You've just caused a bunch of noise and you've, to the uninitiated, made it seem like you're important. 
a buddy of mine that just did this a couple months ago. He was like, I'm just going to go with this consultant who does that. Thumbs up. Let me know how it works. I didn't totally do what I told you so, but I was like, how has that been going? He says, not well. Nothing came from it. N- not a one. I'm going to cancel. I, I, mm-hmm. I knew it because that's not how anybody responds and makes decisions. You have to actually tell real stories. Um, yeah, right. Yeah, you can't, right. It can't just be cookie cutter or like a slightly different version of the same thing over and over and over. And you certainly see quite a bit of that. And I know exactly what you're talking about, that there are like sort of some link, like LinkedIn gurus, so-called, yeah. you know, who, and it's, I mean, in, in a way, I really kind of like admire what they're doing. At least they're very good at what they do. You know, they'll yeah. post a thing and get, you know, hundreds of comments, hundreds of likes. And you're like, whoa, well, they must know what they're doing. Cause look, yeah, like right. it's demonstrated right there. I want to get that kind of engagement too help me please. Right. And, and, and maybe if I'm hearing you right, kind of at the end of the day, I'm sure there are good, like, you know, you, you help people on LinkedIn too. Like there are good consultants who can really guide you down the right path, but ultimately it has to come from you. Like there is no magic formula for just kind of overnight making that happen. It really is just putting the work in and sharing authentic stories and, and actual real thoughts. Am I on the right track here? Yes. And I'll add a nuance to that. The, the, the way that the mass market approach can work is if you are selling a consumer product, because mm. the sort of mass market high engagement approach does work to get the sort of generic kind of passing attention of many. And mm-hmm. that can be a way of selling transactional products. But this is the B2B content show, and yeah. we have to stay away from that when selling higher priced products because that's not how people above a certain seniority buy. So, yeah. so you may see that and think, well, it works for those people, but you have to consider what you are selling and how that decision is made. And that's why you know I have 16,000 followers, not even 25K. I'm not even above the connection limit that the influencers are like, oh, I can only have 30,000 connections. And I'm like, I'm nowhere near there. But it doesn't matter because I've still sold tons from, mm-hmm. from LinkedIn, but it's not thousands of customers buying 50 bucks product from me. It's, yeah. it's, I think it's like 114 closed one over five and a half years. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, a one or two a month, but they buy in a significant enough quantity that that really makes an impact. So one yeah. or two a month of really good B2B deal sizes. And, you know, take my account and, and just do more and you can, you can get more, but you're really looking for a lower volume of higher priced customers when you do LinkedIn for B2B. There's a different yeah. method that's LinkedIn for B2C. And you that's where, unfortunately, you can succeed a bit by being inauthentic and posting mass market stuff, platitudes and, and so forth. And, and fake mm-hmm. engagement will actually do you a, a bit of a favor, even if it feels icky inside. So I, I have to admit that even though I just I won't sure. do that. I don't like it. But I have to admit that that works for the skeptics who say, well, it does work. Yes, for some, but not for you okay. if you're in B2B. That's the nuance there. Know who you're selling to and who you are. Okay, fair enough. Well, see, I knew this was going to be an interesting discussion because LinkedIn is just an interesting thing. And there's yes. there's lots and lots to to say about it. So wrapping up a little bit. So for marketing teams that are you know maybe listening to this and they're like, yeah, we, this all sounds pretty smart. We want to raise up our LinkedIn game. 
What's the main takeaway from our discussion? To take that risk that we talked about, to stand for something, to have skin in the game and, and don't be afraid of that. Look at the great marketers who you respect. I'll just let people think about those people and then, and then wonder, did they have skin in the game? Did they take risk? You can talk about Steve Jobs. He absolutely did. His son went to my high school. I'm aware of the impact that somebody who took a lot of risk had on those around them and their family and everything. And, you know, Steve Jobs was not always a very nice person, but he stood for something, right? So if you respect him as a marketer, you, sh you shouldn't conclude, I'm trying to be Steve Jobs. You should conclude, I should have skin in the game. Even if in the smallest way, you sell managed DevOps services to enterprises, what can you stand for? You can show the personalities of leadership and the founders. You can talk about the way that you interact with customers. The, the way that you deliver services, no doubt, is different and unique from, from others. So talk about that. Tell stories. Do you have offsites with the team? You have interactions with your, your management layer that show your, your way of leadership. But there's so much you can take a stand on it by just being not vulnerable personally, but professional vulnerability is mm -hmm. something that people confuse with personal vulnerability and they don't want to do it. But it really serves you in, in content, especially on LinkedIn, to be professionally vulnerable because it's mm -hmm. that thing in the game that people respond to. And the marketers are often wondering, how do I get ROI from this? If I'm going to do it, I should be able to track my ROI. You absolutely should. Some quick ideas. Add a how'd you hear about us field to your lead capture forms on your website. Many people mm -hmm. will say, I follow your CEO on LinkedIn or some variant of that. People will also DM you if you're posting content. You can simply take that and it goes into your CRM and the lead source is marked as LinkedIn or social or whatever you want to call it. There are some fancy platforms like the one that I and, and my team have developed that actually integrate those interactions directly to CRM, but you actually don't even need that. You, you can do it with self-reported attribution, just being good about CRM hygiene. A tool helps, but it just sort of reinforces the process that you should follow anyway, which is try to understand where your pipeline is coming from. It applies across other channels. I mean, if you are active on LinkedIn organically and you are venturing and putting skin in the game, your paid social, your SEO will work better because people will have this positive affinity of you and your other channels are going to work better. It'll make your paid social easier. It'll make your email marketing easier. It'll, it'll make a lot of things easier. Um, and then don't discount the value of recruiting. I recruit very easily and have no trouble recruiting because of the LinkedIn presence I have. Many people, many business owners pay thousands, tens of thousands to recruiters and recruiting agencies and, and not to mention the time spent because they don't have that platform. Yet recruiting, it's expensive just as customer acquisition is expensive. Yeah. So look at the total ROI. You can measure it. Um, but remember that when you're measuring ROI, organic done well is almost always going to be the best ROI. So it's it's not worth you know, measuring on a chart, if it's trying to figure out slight differences, it's a it's an investment in your overall marketing, yet you can, and we have incredible ROI tracked back to it. I mean, we're up to four point, mm -hmm. almost $1 million in sales from it. That's a good ROI on my time. Every post is mm -hmm. worth about 13,000 in, in enterprise value, and it takes me about 10, 15 minutes to write. So like, that's that's a good hourly rate if I'm, yeah. I'm looking at that. So I don't think there's a better ROI for startups of a certain size. There are people who shouldn't use LinkedIn. There are companies who shouldn't use LinkedIn, or at least they should do other things first. But for the right candidate, it's, it's measurable and it can be fantastic, especially when combined with other channels.
Mm-hmm. Well, th- this has been a super insightful conversation, really compelling. And I suspect some of our listeners might want to connect with you to learn even more. So how can people connect with you? You know what I'm going to say already is come <laughs> on my LinkedIn. Uh, that's yes. the easiest way to get in touch with me and figure yeah. out what's going on with the different companies I'm involved in, advising and working on and building. You go to a website as well, but LinkedIn is, is the best way for, for me to just, uh, I'd like to meet you, chat with me and send me a connection request and let me know you heard about us and me on this show. And it'll give me some context of what you've heard already. Okay. Very good. Well, to make it a little bit easier for folks, we'll put a link to your LinkedIn in the show notes and to, and to the company as well. So, well, Alex, thanks for just a really thoughtful conversation. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Absolutely. I enjoyed being here. Thank you, Jamie. That's it for this episode of the B2B Content Show. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or you know someone who you think would be a great guest, let us know. You can contact me at jeremy at conversa.com. That's C-O-N-N-versa.com. The B2B Content Show is brought to you by Conversa Podcasting. Check us out at conversa.com to learn more about how we help B2B brands start podcasts to connect through conversation with the buyers and decision makers you need to get to know to grow your business. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.